I, I subscribe to the policy that uh, whatever flows out of our mouth ought to be something that lifts. So my, my comedy, whether it's for corporations, and I do a lot of corporate work where, you know, Christianity doesn't really uh, come out f- per se, but I try to be a light with the way I choose to live. I, w- I want to do more than just comedy, and I want to do more than just ministry. I want to affect our culture. This is Charisma Connection. I'm Steve Green on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm excited to introduce you to our guest. He's a great book author. You may know him most as a presidential impersonator. His name is John Morgan. He's written the book War on Fear, and he's been impersonating uh, George W. Bush for many years. So, Mr. President, welcome to the Charisma Podcast Network. Thank you. It's good to be here. Or should I say, thank you. It's good to be here. Tell us how you got started in that crazy business. Well, you know, I had no idea. Years ago, I wanted to be a Stephen Curtis Chapman, a Christian recording artist, and I thought that was going to be my future. But I lacked two key ingredients, talent and integrity. Mm. (laughs) And uh, I just had to lay it down when it wasn't bearing fruit. And so I went back to work where I said I would never go back to work for my mom and dad and for the next 20 years, back in the 80s and the 90s, um, I worked in their appliance store right here in Orlando, Florida. And, you uh, you just sold kinda, kitchen appliances? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Wow. It's I'll still there were, right on Church Street. But you were good at it. Well, it wasn't a love. <laughs> it wasn't love. <laughs> I, I, I always uh, would hear from my mom. She she worked there. She was my dear friend. And and uh, she she would always say, you know, you were born for more than this. Mm. And I believed it. I, I, I agreed with her. But I said, but it's in God's hands. I'm just right. trusting him. But you did it 20 years. Yeah. I kept getting older and older thinking, this is a little old to start a recording contract. Mm-hmm. And that's what you thought was going to come next? No, I had no clue. No clue. So what was that moment in which you determined that you could impersonate the president? Well, when he, when George W. decided to run for president, people started tapping me on the shoulders left and right, telling me how much I looked like him. But it did not occur to me at that time that you could do some, anything more than maybe a skit for church uh, with it. And so it, it, I just thought, well, that's cool, you know. And then three years into W.'s first term, someone informed me that there is this emerging look-alike industry. But my religious paradigm said there's no way God would actually want someone to become a celebrity look-alike. It's just I couldn't fit it into my worldview. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, you know, not long after that, I had this thought, how do you know it's not God? Wow. When I thought that, Dr. Green, I realized I got to pray about this. I got to yeah. I got to get serious about this. That's good. So I actually fasted and prayed, and then I got a direct word from the Lord. Um, I fasted for two weeks, you know, not entirely, but you know, skipped a meal a day, and then uh, I just put up the Snicker bars. Yeah, yeah, more that kind of thing. Yeah, and then and I wouldn't talk to God about it at all. And then after that time, I just said, "Okay, God, do you want me to become a George Bush impersonator?" And cl- as clearly as though it were audible. God said, yes, and you'll be doing it for five years. Well, there's only five years left in George Bush's presidency if he gets reelected. So I looked over at my wife and I said, honey, I think the Lord just told me George Bush is going to be reelected. 
and that I have to become a George Bush impersonator. <laughs> At the time, I didn't think that was a good thing. I had no clue that it would bear good fruit, that there would it be any sort of ministry involved in it. Mm-hmm. And yet I've spoken at prayer, you know, all sorts of prayer rallies. I've spoken in churches, shared sermons, and I'm able to share my faith in taxi cabs and all over the place, you know. Mm-hmm. But first it required one main thing, overcoming fear. Yes. And we'll get to your book in just a minute. I want to talk more about uh, a memorable experience you had while you're out on the road. You do shows every weekend, I think, still. And uh, you visit in a lot of large organizations, have you in as a keynote mm-hmm. speaker. Yes. What's your favorite memory? What's something that happened to you that you'll never forget? Being invited to George W.'s second inauguration. A year he invited in, you in. A year into the, honestly, I don't know if W. himself even knew I was there. <laughs> but uh, the uh, Republican Party of Florida invited me to Washington for the second inauguration to uh, take part in the, uh, in the downtown, um, I think it was the Hyatt, where the, the Florida GOP was located. They took the whole lobby and turned it into the Oval Office. They, they had a gazebo, and uh, they had my, my wife and I. My wife actually looks like Laura Bush. It's amazing when she puts on Laura's wig, and you'll see a picture of that in the book. Um, they had us in there, and the line went all the way through the lobby of senators and congressmen and dignitaries, all wanting to get their picture with W because, by the grace of God, I look so much like him that in a picture, you really can't tell the difference. is that amazing? It's the most cool thing in the world. Well, so God knew what he was doing when he made you. Not, it wasn't an accident. No, no. He didn't say, oops, use that mold twice. Oh, well. <laughs> so I know from knowing you that you met him once, and he had a kind of a funny line about that, or was it your line? Yes, well, I've actually met him twice, but uh, the second time was uh, just within this past year at his uh, tournament that he does for Wounded Warriors called mm-hmm. the Warrior Open mm-hmm. in uh, in Dallas, Texas, at the uh, Las Colinas, I think is the name of the golf course. And, you know, I was just there and people kind of kept pulling me toward where he was sending off the foursomes. And finally somebody yelled out, Mr. President, your brother's here. And he came walking over and he looked at me and he and uh, he, put, he put his arm around me and he said, if I had a face like mine, I'd be mad as hell. <laughs> That's the line I remember. <laughs> Did he ever tell you what he thought of all that you were doing? I know we really didn't have... A chance to get uh, more of a conversation, but believe me, it's on my bucket list. Well, you weren't offensive. You you were a classy guy in the way that you impersonated him, so he probably laughed. I would imagine so. Right. Yes. Some of the comedians that are on talk shows are not so kind. (laughs) Well, I I subscribe to the policy that... uh, Whatever flows out of our mouth ought to be something that lifts. Right. So my my comedy, whether it's for corporations, and I do a lot of corporate work mm-hmm. where you know Christianity doesn't really uh, come out f- per se, but I try to be a light with the way I choose to live. Mm-hmm. I, w- I want to do more than just comedy, and I want to do more than just ministry. I want to affect our culture. But you also don't really get into politics as you're speaking. I know you've told me that. No. Uh-uh. You stay away from political issues. Unless people hire me specifically for that, because my goal is to be a success for the people that bring me in. Mm-hmm. You go in and do interviews and find out what they want. Right, exactly. That's great. So one last thought on that vein. Uh, you're going through DFW. 
How hard is it for you to get to your plane without a hundred photographs? It's uh, it's a, a challenge, and uh, it, it if I keep my my face down, which I don't like to do, because honestly, I love people. I, I love taking pictures with folks. I love it when folks come up and say, "Are you really him?" <laughs> and I say, "I'm standing right here." <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Any funny stories going through airports? Anything that you remember? Oh no! More ministry opportunities, really. I can imagine. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun to actually have the privilege of seeing uh, someone who needs uh, to be lifted up. So, did you ever imagine that that platform? It's a great platform. It's huge. You're still working in it. But did you ever think that it would lead to two great books? <laughs> I had no clue. In fact, the reason I had uh, decided that there's no way it could be a good thing is because I wanted my life to count for eternity. Mm. And I thought, well, a comedian, uh, an, a, an impersonator, a bad Elvis? I mean, how's that? How's, you know, but I guess that's true. If he, could, if he can use Balaam, you know, and his donkey, mm-hmm. um, then he can use anybody, even me. That's right. So you've had one popular book. Tell us about it. Well, I had uh, the privilege of writing my first book, and um, it was a little bit of a dilemma because, again, I I do appear for a lot of corporations, and so the temptation was to write a corporate book, just a comedic book, something that uh, I could use in maybe a leadership capacity but not in a Christian capacity. But I thought to myself that if I only ever write one book, I want the real authentic me to be on the page for generations to come. Mm-hmm. If anybody should ever, you know, run into it in a dusty library or something, I, I want people to know who I was and what I stood for, and then I want them to benefit from the words contained on the page. So I wrote the book, and it's called My Life is a Bush mm-hmm. and My Heart for Imitating Jesus. That's good. And it's all great. It's a good book. It's still available. Yes. How would we find your website where your books are going to be? Do you have that up yet? Um, well, the easiest place is to go to georgebushimpersonator.com. That's the one I was looking for, yeah. georgebushimpersonator.com. I don't know if the book will be there when this podcast airs because we're going to do a launch. Right, and, your uh, old book, your, your first oh, book. The first book, yeah. Okay, that's where we go. This book's not being published for a couple of weeks yet. Yes. So it depends on when you hear this podcast, whether or not it's available. Right, right. So all right, let's, let's get to the book, the reason you're here, this uh, War on Fear. Who wants to do battle with fear? I'm not, afraid. Not me. <laughs> fear is scary. Yes, I heard that. Quoted a good friend of mine. Yes. <laughs> um, I was in uh, church one day, and all of a sudden I had this inspiration of how much – it started with unbelief and then moved to fear – how much unbelief had hindered me in my life. If I could just believe that what the Bible says is true, actually is, and then act on that, what a different life I would live. If I, if I believed what the Bible says in so many areas, and then uh, not so, so right in the middle of church, right in the middle of a worship session, right out loud, I said, I declare war on unbelief. Wow. And then uh, not long after that, I was at home uh, by myself and... I realized there's another front to this war. 
I realized that fear was holding me back. I realized that fear was dictating to me what I could and couldn't do, that I'd get ideas. Uh, In fact, the whole idea of starting a podcast was completely written off to me as a possibility because of fear. And so right out loud in my home, from an angry person, I said, I declare war on fear. And and I did. I meant it. It wasn't just words. I was declaring and did declare war on fear, not even knowing fully what I was doing or what I was saying. But Dr. Green, as I, as I did so, I felt an anointing come upon me. I felt God backing me on that. I, I, it, was, it was almost as though he had inspired it. Yes. And so I, I started to study. I started to pray. I started to pursue this enemy called fear. Mm-hmm. And I started seeing, all of a sudden, it opened up to me all the areas in my life where fear was influencing me. And it, it, it kind of runs like an undercurrent. It doesn't want you to know that it's there or that it's influencing you. It just does without making itself known. So it's like an operating system in your computer. You know, sure. it's, it's in the background, like a low hum, but it prohibits you from doing certain things, what you're called to do. And so I just, uh, I, I, I got excited, and then I started journaling what I was learning. And, you know, I started looking around me. I thought, oh, my gosh, whole churches are glued to the pew because of fear. Yes. The, the mandates, uh, sharing our faith. So many areas where we as a church and we as people, we as business owners, should rise and be more than we are, achieve our dreams. And fear is the thing that holds us in check. So even though it's called War on Fear, and I'm calling people to do war with fear, it's actually a book about courage and about achieving what you want to achieve once fear is out of your way. And how does that happen? Fear out of the way. It sounds so good. In this podcast, they'll be talking about it in a third-person kind of way. I want to get hmm. rid of fear. And now i got to deal with it in the first person. And I'm afraid of – I'm looking at some of your chapter titles, The Dream Killer. Uh, sometimes I'm afraid to start my dream because I might be disappointed that it wouldn't be realized. How do you do this? How do you – what do you teach your, your, your folks and your people? What have you written in your book about how we battle fear and win this war? Well – the best way to win an enemy is to know its weaknesses mm-hmm. and to know where he is. The, you know, there's an echo to George Bush's war on terror, which I thought was a kind of a cool play on words. Um, but in order to conduct that war, they had to learn about how the enemy operates. And they had to go in and root him out of his little caves. And in the same way, fear speaks to us with a voice, masquerading as our own voice, pretending to be our friend, pretending to be our, our counselor, our advisor. But if you stop and think about it, that advice is usually to distrust the one that loves you the most, mm-hmm. our Heavenly Father, the one who died for us and gave everything for us. Jesus wouldn't call us to do anything that would be bad for us in any way. That's He's right. never made a mistake. And so if he calls us to step out of the boat, if he calls us to share our faith with a friend, then that is the absolute right thing to do. I'll give you an example. One day I was in a, the lobby of a hotel, and in that lobby I saw a handicapped fella. And I had seen him before the week earlier 
at my church. And here we are 100 miles away. I'm seeing this guy. And I thought, that's unusual. And I felt that little nudge, you know, from the Holy Spirit, go over and introduce yourself, share your faith. And uh, I didn't want to do it. I was, you know, a little nervous and, and it was inconvenient and everything else. But I obeyed God. And you know, the next day he introduced me to my wife. Oh my. The rewards of obedience are that's enormous. Great and that's what I'm talking about when I say the, the, the cost, the costliness of fear. What, what, what dreams aren't realized because fear keeps us from trusting God? Well, you know, there's another one that I, I really gravitate towards. I do a lot of speaking. Mm. And uh, I think it's still rated as number one fear of most Americans, and that's the fear of public speaking. So I'm glad to see it's in your book. And I know that you help people through that. Yes. But what do you say as a coach, counselor, I'm sure you've battled the fear of speaking, being on stage, and uh, that curtain opens and there you are. Oh, man. I, I've, I've had my instances. Um, I had the privilege of being invited by Sean Hannity to, to go out on tour with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said, first, we're going to have you appear at our rally in Georgia. And if that goes well, then you're on the whole tour. And so... Off we went. And I mean, I said there was a script and I studied and studied and studied and I had the thing down. I could say it in my sleep. But five minutes before showtime, I forgot my name. I know that. I had stage fright. Mm. I mean, I couldn't remember the script. I couldn't remember anything. And I just went into lockdown mode. It was horrifying. And uh, my uh, my friend uh, who was there with me at the time said, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to go out on that stage, and I'm just going to trust God to bring it back to me when I need it. And I said that out of a lifetime of knowledge that God is trustworthy. Yes. You know, you you find out experience after experience that you can trust him to be there when you need him most. And circumstances said, run, cower in the corner, fight or flight, the whole thing, you know, escape. But my brother, when I went out on that stage— it all came back. And that audience of 10,000 people thought George Bush had just walked out, and it, it was a happy ending. I wound up going out on the whole tour with, with Sean Hannity, and it was a blast. We had, we had so much fun. In fact, there's a picture from me mm-hmm. and Sean in, in the book. So you've got a few other great stories sprinkled throughout the book. Do you, oh, yeah. you want to share a couple with us? Oh, sure, sure. Um, one time I was uh, challenged to speak in a comedy club. Now, I had, I had written off comedy clubs because of fear. I had just decided, that's something I'm never going to do. Those audiences will eat you alive. And I'm not crass and crude and, you know, I don't tell dirty jokes. And so, you know, I'm not going to fit into that, that world at all. But somebody said, you know, if you really want to be a comedian, you want, you want to earn your chops, then you got to do it. So I'm like, oh, now this, this, uh, this friend... Uh, had a lot of connections, and he got me into the uh, Comedy and Magic Club in Hermosa Beach, California, where Jay Leno, on a given Sunday night, will have his car parked out front. Seinfeld, I mean, you, you, you can, it's a who's who list of all the top comedians that have played there, and you don't just get in there. you got to be somebody to, to, to get on that stage. Right. And he worked it out, and so... Oh man! So you know, same thing. I've got my script. I'm 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 getting ready to go on. I'm standing behind the curtain, listening to the uh, opening comedian who's about to introduce me, and I am shaking in my boots. 
And this thought hit me as though it were from the Lord, and I believe it was. Um, why don't you ask me for my perspective in this moment? And I went, oh, yeah, you're the God of the universe. What a you know everything. You knew I was going to be here before the earth was created. Lord, what should I be thinking right now? And three things came to my mind. And these three things have helped me. They, they changed everything in that moment, and they've helped me ever since. Number one, God said, I, who love you most, who created you, am with you. You are not going to be alone on that stage. I'm with you, and I'm in you. And number two, he said, I want you to know that you are in the exact right place, yes. in the exact right time. So there's no, reason to, there is no reason to be afraid. There's no reason to have fear. And number three, he said, the people in that audience, I know each one of them intimately at all as well. And I want to love them through you. That's good. I put you here for a purpose. And I'm telling you, it changed everything for me. It changed my whole focus. It changed the fear. It gave me a mission. And when that curtain opened, I began to look into the eyes of individuals that, that either needed or knew God. Mm-hmm. And we had a blast together, us in that, in that, in that arena. Arena. <laughs> it was awesome. So we've just got just a couple of minutes left, Mr. President. So I'd like to ask you, the last chapter really is intriguing, the sum of all fear. Mm. Why don't you address that as sort of a way to walk us out of this podcast? And uh, we'll talk more about your book as we move forward. Love to have you back if you're available. I'd like to talk more specifically and, of course, tell people how to find your book. But tell us about the sum of all fear. What is it? You know, for years, I had a a fear of death and a fear of incurable diseases, mm. you know, cancer, things like that. And I had a friend at church who contracted a hepatitis C. And he'd had it for years and years and then discovered that he had it. And I remember thinking, I can't imagine what that would be like. And just the thought of it, frankly, scared me. And I, and I thought, I, I can't imagine what it would be like to be his wife, his children. You know, as much as I love him, I was afraid of him. And because I'm kind of a wimp and a little bit of a hypochondriac, you know. And, and, uh, and then one day my, my wife had a routine uh, cholesterol check, and we went in for the results. And we got the most horrifying news I've ever heard in my life. You've been tested positive for hepatitis C, told my wife. And it was just devastating. The, the shock, the wave of shock that, that hit both of us at the same time was uh, just debilitating. And I share that journey in the book and how God stepped into our lives and provided grace right when we needed it. You see, I didn't have that grace when I pondered my friend's sickness because I didn't need it. He needed right. it. But when I needed it, when my wife needed it, it was there. Yes. And she, even though she struggled, she spent she spent hours, she would hide her tears from me. You know, in the shower, she would cry and wonder if this would be her last Christmas or last Thanksgiving. And, and yet, the rest of the time, she was full, filled with joy and carrying on. 
And we went through eight years, eight long years, being told there was no treatment, no hope, no cure, that maybe someday. It was always maybe someday. We did all kinds of alternative this and that. We spent all this money. And then finally, God did bring a breakthrough. And now I'm very happy to, uh, to share. There's a wonderful end to the story that I'll, I'll save for, uh, for, to entice people to pick up a copy of the book and read it. But the, but the perspective on why there's never a reason to fear eternity if you're connected with the one who controls eternity. Amen. You've been listening to John Morgan on our Charisma Connection. He's written a great book called War on Fear. We all battle fear, but it's more than just a battle. It's a war. We have to take it serious and put on the whole armor of God. Is there any last closing comment of where we can find your book? I know it comes out November 15th, scheduled for release. We'll have lots of other opportunities to talk with you, but more than that, sir, what what do you want people to do with this book? What do you hope happens? Well, I'm a happy warrior. I, I like to think of myself as a, as a, as a hilarious soldier. Um, I'm a comedian, you know, and it seems like a, a paradox. I'm writing a book called about war, war on fear, but it is a joy-filled war. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the joy of the Lord is our strength, and we fight, we fight from a position of peace. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this is a book that is definitely for the tame of heart, you know. This is not... Uh, and not a book that you have to be a general. No, no, no. This is, this is a book for housewives who, who are good. dealing with what's going to happen after the election. These, these are, this is a book for anybody from any walk of life who wants to joyfully overpower the fear that has kept them from doing what God created them. What attitude does God have toward us? That's the attitude you'll have after reading War on Fear. Mm. Can't wait to see uh, the results your book and how it's changed the world. You know, we all want to write that one sentence that really helps people. Perhaps you've done it, sir. This is John Morgan, War on Fear on the Charisma Connection. I'm Steve Green on the Charisma Podcast Network. Thank you so much for listening and go find this book, War on Fear by John Morgan. God bless you all and thanks for listening. And God bless America. Today's episode is brought to you by Jeannie Nigro Ministries. A brief glance at the headlines these days is enough to make anyone unsettled, frustrated, or downright scared of the future. But with an unwavering belief that personal intimacy with God is the number one anchor for our souls, Jeannie Nigro provides not only encouragement, but practical steps for individuals to deepen their relationship with God, as well as an action plan for what they can do now in a world that seems so out of control. Will you stand strong during these uncertain times? Her book, Unshaken, will empower you to thrive, not just survive, no matter what the circumstances. Learn how to break free from the fear, stress, frustration, and anger and hopelessness of these times. Sound interesting? You can download and try out a free chapter of Unshaken at genienigro.com cm. That's J-E-A-N-N-E-N-I-G-R-O dot com slash C-M. And now, back to the show. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.